What's up everyone? Welcome to the London Music Podcast. I'm Andre Sora and today I have Lorraine Solomons on the podcast who is the founder of Success Express Music, a live music discovery platform that supports independent artists and bands by promoting live events at concert venues, independent gig venues, pubs, creative spaces around London, festivals as well as tours. And I had the pleasure of actually performing at some of uh, Lorraine's events But it's been a few years since I've done an event with Lorraine and in the meantime, COVID happened. So you'll see that we talk a bit about what that did to the live music scene in London. But without further ado, I give you Lorraine Solomons. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the London Music Podcast. And today I'm really excited about the guest I have on. Maybe once you hear what her backstory is and what she has been up to, particularly before COVID hit, you'll get why I'm so excited to have her on. Lorraine, thanks a lot for joining today. Thank you, Andre. What a pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. Tell the listeners a bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, and how you got involved in the music business to begin with. So my name's Lorraine, Lorraine Solomons. Uh, I run a live music platform called Success Express Music, which it seems amazing to me. It must be 11 years now that we've been going. And really, I got into supporting emerging artists, independent artists, really because I have a kind of a music relation in as much as we used to have a music shop years ago. And we just met one day, as we do with many kind of musicians and artists and people who are teaching and buying and selling and, you know, all that kind of stuff around our music school and music shop. I met an amazing vocal and performance coach called Joshua Alamu. And he said, oh, let's uh, let's uh, maybe do a vocal performance workshop. And I thought, sure, let's do that. And we got together and put together a series of vocal performance workshops for singers and artists with raw talent. And it was the most inspiring and uplifting kind of one of my moments in my life when I realized just how fantastic it is to see people who have raw talent who are creative be given the tools to be able to move to the next level and fulfill themselves and express themselves so that was really amazing and we had some kind of live performance showcases with like a backing band it was lots of different students from like the age from 14 to 60 who were taking part and it was really great fun and that's what really kicked me off into doing music because the venue loved what we did and then we got offered a live music night and we thought oh do I know any singers or artists or you know anybody who's going to play and obviously between us uh, Joshua and I we did and I found that the thing was not just learning to improve yourself vocally but what would a, a young artist who is maybe in their teens who maybe like writing their first song what would the, be their next stage how would they do their apprenticeship I didn't really know anything about it but I always thought well you'd need to play alongside people who are better than you and kind of learn your craft so I just kind of kicked off doing a live music night proud Camden in I think 2000. 12 every Sunday and it we just had the most amazing response and then I thought well maybe it'd be nice to do one at the Troubadour because I heard that was a nice venue and then I did another one at another venue and it, and it kind of snowballed from there so that's that kind of was how I started and kind of started as a music promoter very much focused on independent artists. Back in the early days how did you get in touch with or how did artists get in touch with you how did you get your initial pool of musicians to perform at these events 
Good question. Originally, I didn't know anyone, obviously. I mean, I I, I had um, teachers who taught at our music school who were some either like guitarists, you know, they could be a guitarist and gone to music college and they were teaching guitar to kids and stuff like that, but also had a band. So there were a few artists I did knew, not that many who were teaching, but they had some friends. And I spent a very short time kind of looking into resources and I found there was a platform called Music Born, which was a forerunner of so many other people who tried to do the same thing where they tried to match artists who had artist profiles with venues, which was run by, and you probably know him, uh, Chris Sharp, who now has Lost in the Manor and uh, is running a promotional platform called Muso Soup now. I used that for a very short period of time just to kind of research some artists because I suddenly got like dumped with like a regular Sunday night uh, gig that I had at Proud Camden and I was constantly looking for new artists. I did look into that for a little bit and then very quickly people started recommending and coming back to me. So it was probably only about two months or so that I ever really had to look for artists then you know music colleges people who were at music colleges as soon as they found there was a good night they was mentioned it to their friends and it was kind of word of mouth really and throughout these uh, years and let's focus for now for instance specifically on proud what was the kind of the makeup of the bands was it more rock bands pop bands singer-songwriter type acts it's interesting I don't know if you remember but it had two uh like a little side venue and it had a main the main big venue when I first started out we we used that side venue and we had a regular night there every Sunday in 2012 like early on I always did a mix of a couple of acoustic artists and then maybe a duo and then a band and it was yeah pretty mixed kind of indie singer-songwriter, you know, kind of funky, upbeat bands and stuff like that. When we started doing, we did a couple of like one-day festivals and different things in the big room after that. We did quite a lot at Proud Camden. I always really mixed it up and gave it a real kind of festival feel, which is something I really like when you take the music from late two o'clock in the afternoon and you take it forward and build it up and build it up until you've got like a really big finish. So the big finish bands who had a really big sound could have been rocky or it could have been kind of jazz funky or it could have been really anything. I try to keep it like always very eclectic, nice quality uh, appeal to everyone because I think it's really important that everybody who comes to a show comes to one person and stays to listen to other artists and feels that they can extend their tastes and, and discover new music. I think that's very vital. Yeah, and I can attest to the success of that. I remember that every headlining act had not only their lot, but also most of everyone else. So every one of these events, at least that my band was on, kind of had a full house which was uh, quite exciting and everyone was kind of into it. On that note, I've always wondered uh, where the pressure is. <laughs> is it more on the artist or on the promoter? So obviously if the uh, artist has a bad set, it doesn't bode well with anyone in the audience and with the band themselves. But what about the promoter? So what happens, uh, have you ever had something like that happen where a band or a series of bands on the same day didn't perform as well as you had hoped? 
you know, that's a really, it's funny, I'm thinking about that. I've been really, really fortunate. And maybe that's about how you work as a promoter and you build a relationship, you know, with the artists ahead and let them know what's happening and you feel like you're a part of it. In terms of people not performing very well on the night, I think I've always been really lucky and always picked artists who are really good and have a really professional attitude. I mean, things do go wrong, obviously. I have had a few occasions where two bands are pulled, like any promoter, two bands are pulled out on the same night and it's been a bit of a disaster stuff in that sense and you've had to fill you know the room's been empty and you've had to fill it in with a singer songwriter who's just come in and helped out and you know you've just had to get through that night those are one of those things but I, in terms of people just performing really badly on the night and like oh my god I can tell you one thing it is so rarely happened to me because I'm so particular about listening to every artist I listen to every artist live on a live clip where I ever book them there's hardly ever a time when, you know, I don't just think, oh, it's quite a good Spotify track or something. I go and find the live film. And if I haven't got it, then I will be concerned about booking them in a decent venue, if, you know, or in a venue that is a, a, a premium night. It just wouldn't happen. So I always try to get to know my artists really well. Having said that, you know, I have had the, uh, one occasion I remember, and this girl is an amazing singer. She's like great now. She had a really bad, I don't know what it was, she was singing completely out tune and just couldn't hear herself one night. And I was thinking, oh my God. And I remember saying to one of the other artists, I was like hiding in the toilet. I couldn't even stay in the venue. I was so tall by this this occasion he said she's not that bad honestly oh you know whatever and I was going oh my god it, it is really horrible when you're a promoter and you have an audience there and you feel an artist is not representing what you want my conclusion is is just preparation preparation and promotion and relationships should ensure that really 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 happen part of that vetting process obviously you not only listen to the Spotify track or the YouTube link or whatever but it's also this exposure to the live aspect of yeah. that band but did you have some people inquiring into one of your events and them literally being so early in the game that they didn't have live videos did you give them yes. a shot or were you more yeah. apprehensive I have um and that's really would involve a conversation I think I'll sometimes get an email to tell that we're a new band we're coming together I'm the guitarist from X band she's a singer from that band we're going to do something. We're just getting a few songs together, you know, and you kind of get a feel of people been in a band previously. You're not going to, they may not have content out there at the moment because that's fair enough. And they're going to get together and do a new project. You, you kind of get a feel for that. However, when you have a really young band and that this is a situation where you really do need to kind of place your artists in an appropriate environment where it's not going to be uncomfortable because you could be really, really talented. You all know this as a musician. You could be really, really talented, really gifted. But if you have no actual stage experience in sound check and you know, how to perform and how to deal with like the basic performance requirements, because just simply because you've never done it before, then you do need to learn that stagecraft and you do need to learn that kind of aspect. So for, for that reason, I always did try to have different nights where a young band, which generally just does need the, the experience Experience, you know, on, on stage to kind of bring themselves together and kind of uh, develop. That is what I would do. So I try and point talented people I, I really liked into those kind of nights and always keep a proportion. Now it's harder. I mean, we don't have that volume of nights that I used to have, because obviously because of COVID and different circumstances. But in an ideal world, that is really the best thing to do to support young talent coming through and or new bands or people just kind of rehearsing their new styles and getting their material together. So what's a deal breaker in when someone 
someone comes to you for a spot on on a night? I think I've got a really big thing about vocals. So whatever, I might not like somebody's material and they might not be the greatest performer, but if they, if I really do not like someone's voice, if I feel that this is because I started out doing vocal performance workshops with Joshua, I'm so attuned to listen to people's voices and their pitching that I know it might not really be a big thing if you're in a, maybe a grungy band or whatever, singing, and you know, singing's not really a path, but I guess that's not really my taste. And I always tend to pick, you know, I like singing to be a very, considerable unless it's an instrumental band a really considerable you know, quality of, of vocals and delivery a very important thing so if i'm thinking it, it's an absolute deal breaker to me if somebody's singing and they're off pitch you know or slightly off pitch or they're just not 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 to the standard that i like that would be a real deal breaker to me i just cannot stand people who cannot sing in you know in tune it just really great to me <laughs> so that would be one i think my number one thing and what mistakes do you see people often make when they approach you from the first email what's a thing that again is kind of common and a tell that they're not ready to even get to the basic level of contacting a promoter in that sense i think it's a contact a promoter and you don't have up-to-date links you know if people want to tell you their story and sometimes it's really inspiring people write to you and they usually think god i really love this person they've got such great energy in their emails and you think that's fantastic i haven't even listened to the music and i like them already so nothing wrong with writing you know an email you know a few paragraphs in it um, I'm gonna you know I'm not gonna not read it I'm not like um you know a radio plug or anything you know god, god you know next 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 I'm not like that but I think if people write to you and they haven't got up-to-date socials you know I so often it's one of my big gripes is fans who will have a website where they're supposed to list their gigs and you know full well they've got a gig the next week and they haven't listed it and you think great well if they haven't bothered to list or promote the gig of X, Y, or Z promoter at that venue. I'm not too sure I'm feel that enthusiastic or encouraged to book this guys. You know, why why haven't they promoted that gig? That is really frustrating as an independent promoter. You know, you, we're in a partnership where, you know, you take the risk, you know, you're doing the you're taking the venue, you're spending your time and energy on it. And I mean, I don't generally lose money at gigs, but you can lose on some. You can be really unlucky. You know, most of them make very little anyway. So it's very much a labour of love. So if I'm going to put my love and attention into it, I want to know that that band is putting theirs into it for my gig. And one of the pet things that really irritates me is when they ask you for a warm-up gig for somebody else's gig. I can't really be dealing with that. that I find that very unappealing, shall we say, you know. It's very important. You treat every gig as important as the last one. Because I know one thing that uh, bands usually complain about is they come to a gig and they they don't bring anyone, but they expect an audience. So what's your perspective and thoughts on that? Well, I think, you know, this is sort of the thing. I completely get it. If you're a band from Manchester, I'm a big supporter. If I see somebody who's amazing, I want to put an audience in front of them. But that's sometimes that's like my musical choice. I understand that, you know, bands need to come and perform and they want an audience. It is really a partnership, isn't it? You know, like you have to, the promoter has to have a reputation of, having a really good night that people want to go to and hang out. And in order to do that, we need really good quality bands and we need everybody to play their part. But there should be an opportunity for, I, I completely want to have an opportunity when a band who, you know, were honest, said, look, we haven't really got anyone to bring, you know, we're from, you know, uh, Glasgow and we, we have to be down for the weekend. And you think, God, they're really lovely. It would be really nice to put an audience in front of them, or they may or they may not be. Most people, most bands are accepting that, 
you know, if they haven't bought anybody, you know, we can't really, we don't really know, we can only hope for the best. But yeah, it's very irritating. I have had that people say, you know, is there a guaranteed audience? And, you know, there are, there are no guarantees. It's all about us all doing our job and doing our work. So I, again, it's about having those kind of proud Camden free entry type shows where, you know, a band from out of town can come down and there's some passing trade or people will come in and for that music. And then targeting other bands who do have a good footfall to work them up towards more ticketed shows. And I think you just got to use your judgment really on that and try and support people to get to the point when they can build a following if they're if they are good enough to do so. When it comes to these bands, again, another problem that I would often hear them complain about is this uh, idea that they think that they're better than they actually are. And obviously that reflects in their attitude towards even the bands before them or even the bands after them. They don't really support each other. So I'm not even talking about their fan base, but the actual band don't listen to the other band play. On these nights, are you paying attention to this stuff? Are you basing whether or not you call one of these bands back on this type of behavior? Yes, in one word. Absolutely do look at that. Now more than ever, as we come out of COVID and we look forward to what we're doing, we have learned that community is really important in supporting each other. I actually find it a very compromising thing. When I see, when I have a band, I think, you know what, they're good. And I quite like their music, they're good. But you know full well they're not a band who, who they say they're going to stick around and support other people, but you know very well they're kind of not really doing it. Whereas others are just so nice. You see, you know, I see on Facebook, I was looking at a gig that um, the Water Acts, I remember the uh, third lung did with Tom Lumley, who are two really nice guys and good friends of mine. And they met at a gig, the Water Apps. And when I was looking to Tom putting some comments, he's doing a marathon at the moment. And, you know, Tom Farrelly from Third Lung was like saying, oh, you know, how are you, Tom, and everything. I thought, wow, that is so cool because they met at my gig. They played on the same bill. They went on and did shows together and they are still friends. And that is really inspiring. That is what I want to happen. And, you know, when people get together and discover other people's music and support each other, that is fantastic. And I just think other people are really missing out. You know, bands are just arrogance, really, if you're really missing out. I would temper that slightly that sometimes there are reasons why, you know, people can't hang around. They sometimes do have to get back, you know, somewhere or they're at the water acts or a venue like that where, you know, you have to come out the venue and your fans kind of swam, swam around you and you have to have a drink with them afterwards. So I do kind of get it. But I do think that kind of behaviour is really important. Promoters really, really notice it. I get really irritated when, when you know, other people sat and uh, other band members have watched one band and then when it's their turn to play, they're nowhere to be seen. It really pisses off the bands. It really annoys me. And I really do take a mental note of it. So, yeah. Let's kind of think about a time before COVID. Let's say over the last five to seven years before 2020, have you felt a sort of pressure because of the fact that more and more live venues have been closing, even in London? Well, it's an interesting thing with me. I haven't really felt a great deal of pressure because the venues are closing. I think I felt... More, there's been a more of a change because more and more since I started out, would you say probably seven, seven to eight years ago, maybe doing this kind of quite, quite a lot of gigs, as you pointed out, there have been more and more promoters really diluting the scene with not great offerings. I think that has been difficult. I think it's a real shame. I think a lot of venues will just go with what is 
you know, what's the best deal they can get, what I can pay the engineer the least and what promoter just bringing a load of bands and are not really bothered about the quality. So I think there there is a kind of a, maybe there is a pressure, there were less good venues around. Certainly some have shut, but I think the pressure's also not really been helped by a multiplication of amateurish kind of promoting, which I've seen, or I don't know, it's just, I don't think the scene has done very well in the last few years for those reasons, for quality control, which is a real shame. I don't think that's really encouraged audience to continue to go. And that has kind of propelled nights being cut and less venues really operating. So I think that's a bit of a shame. What happened when COVID hit? How did that affect your day-to-day business? I have kept going in every means and form that I can. I mean, this January has been the quietest month I've had because I think we're in this lockdown and we all really we haven't really got a clear idea when we're going to come out. So I think we're kind of slightly, I'm slightly in a semi-hibernation mode where I'm kind of reserving my energy in having to think a, a, a really long-term think about it. When when COVID hit, I was just like, we've got to keep going. We have to keep on paying artists. And I always keep in touch with other promoters and good people in the industry and team up and do stuff where I can. And I have, a, I don't know if you know, another friend um, who runs a promotions company called GoToBeats, um, who are really sweet because Max has a kind of very tech background. We both said, what are we going to do? Because we, we had a few gigs that we co-promoted in the January. So we were working together and we thought, wow, you know, what are we going to do with this COVID? And we sat down over a coffee in March, just before lockdown last year. and said, let's do some online gigs, live streams and gigs. I'll set up something, uh, which Max did, and we will just do at-home concerts. So we did at-home concerts where we gave 100% of money to the artists just to keep them going. And that was that's been, that was really cool for that time. People were really scared and didn't know what to do. And it was a way for people just to, you know, confidence-wise, just to keep going and, and earn a few quid. And we did that for up until July, until we came out of the lockdown and, you know, the summer eased. And after that, I did some outside gigs in, you know, in the park, like pop-up little things uh, just for fun, which are really lovely. And as soon as I could in September when the venue opens, I went straight back into doing gigs, but there were socially distanced and risk assessed. So as long as venues have been open, the minute they're open, I was in there with gigs. But it's been difficult because the whole landscape of live obviously very different when you do a gig at the Bedford. You can only have one or two musicians on stage. They've got to be socially distanced. The audience has got to be distanced. You can't share mics. It's, uh, you have to have a very strict risk assessment. It's quite weird. Hey, we did really well. Every every gig sold out. There was such an appetite and people missed music so much. You know, now we can't do that. So I've kept going doing as much as I can. At this current time, we're in a bit of a kind of a weird situation I don't want to go back to doing online live streaming because I think it's a bit of a regressive step so really I'm I'm waiting I don't know how long it will be but I'm waiting until we can get back out there in a really meaningful way and kind of re reimagine how live music is going to be because I think it's going to be quite a big change in the style of gigs um how people support live music what sort of venue is going to go to I think it's going to be more local I can't see people going to town so much I think there is going to be an effect but I hope it in in some ways it will be positive as well not just negative 
So how do you see things? I can't believe I'm seeing this, but let's say in 2022 at this stage, do you think people by that time would be so used to not going to live events that they'll probably end up just uh, spending the night either at home or going just to the local pub to enjoy a pint? Or do you think that specifically because the past two years have been completely liveless, they'll rush to get any live experience that they can? Based on the people who came to my gigs, and the shows I did it in four different venues. We did the Water Acts, we did the Bedford, we did the Century Club, and we did Pizza Express Live between September and November. Based on the audience reception, they were literally, I will say, gagging for live music. They were so, they have missed human contact so much that there is absolutely no doubt that there will be an appetite to come back and see things. However, I think it's going to be natural that it's going to be refocus, I think, a little bit. I mean, p- people will still come, I'm sure, to uh, some quality venues in, in London. But I don't think you'll see the thousands of different pop-up indie gigs in audiences. But I think people will be more selective to the things that they come to in town. You know, it's a quite marked quality venue. And I think they definitely will spring up more local stuff. So I would think it will be a really good time for more local venues I mean, I, I think people think, well, you know, if I can walk to a venue or, you know, I can drive to it rather than having to get on the tube or, you know, not mix with too many people and it's a safer experience. I think that people will be really happy with that. I can see a really good opportunity for more local music happening. Um, and I think that's a really good thing because I think local, there's people, you know, in the local neighbourhoods who, you know, be really happy to go out and, you know, make live music a part of their evening like never before, as opposed to, you know, hanging out in a packed bar watching football on a screen which they really are not going to be able to do so you know there are some positives and I do think in 2022 we will see I think more people probably go out to music let's just hope so and I think festivals will no doubt return the bigger ones by that year yeah here's hoping where can people check out what you're doing online where do you usually post updates and I mean whenever you you have a gig hopefully soon where will people see all of that stuff so I have a live music platform website called success express music and the website is www.semusic.org and we always have a playlist of new music which I curate every month we feature a video you know we talk about whatever anyone's up to so there is always some content on there we always feature we'll list all the gigs as well and any bits and pieces of news things we're up to for example um, this coming year we have a promoter's official partnership with dice which is exciting so we're looking forward to fingers crossed being in some new venues and inviting our guests to some really fantastic new places when that all happens which uh, hopefully will be uh, i'm hoping it will be uh, by summer anyway so yes people can find out what gigs are up to we always love talking about new artists and always like sharing lots of information and we have a mailing list so you can type on up to that and uh, see what we're up to so if a, uh, a band or an artist wants to, to kind of get back on the horse whenever that's going to be possible, uh-huh. should they get in touch now or wait until things are a bit more cleared up? Yeah, they, they can contact me or if they have some new music, happily send that too. Because I know a lot of artists, what have we all been doing? I think they've been at home. There's a lot of home music producers at the moment, people writing and, you know, and, and recording, mixing and mastering everything at home. So if they have some projects or projects that co co-doing with other people and they have any releases out on Spotify, send those as well. Because it's really nice to listen to what everyone's been up to. Well, you know, I put my earpods in and uh, when I go for a walk and it's great to listen 
listen to new music. So I try to always keep a few steps ahead by listening to people's music, even if even if we can't have you at a gig. It's really important to uh, stay in contact, and I love listening to what everybody's up to. So that 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 would be cool. And they can just send me a message via the website. And I'll make sure to put all of uh, these relevant links and socials in the description of the episode. Lorraine, it's been amazing. Thanks again for joining. I, I really do hope people got something out of this. And uh, I hope that this episode will be the, the beginning of hopefully a, um, a, a brighter future for live music in London and the UK and uh, in the world as a whole. And we're all a bit more re-inspired to hope there's a bit of life after COVID, which there will be. I'm, 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 I'm certain there will be. Fingers crossed for that. Again, thanks a lot for joining. Thanks, Andre.